So our theme for 2023, it is what we make it. And the theme for February, we know, is rewrite the narrative, which is so exciting. I'm really excited today as we finish out this theme. My title today is called Street Clothes. Street Clothes. Turn to your neighbor and say, Street Clothes. Now, I really wanted to wear, you know, uh, shorts and a t-shirt, but I thought you guys would, like, laugh at me, so I didn't do that today. Our theme title today, Street Clothes. Now, you may be asking yourself, why do I have a name tag? I know who I am, right? Does all your neighbors know who you are? I don't know, maybe. Isn't a name something special? How many of us have heard our name? No, I'm John or Jonathan, whichever you prefer. But how many of us have heard this, I don't know, 10,000 times? How many of us have heard our, our name being called? I'm sure growing up, you know, when mom and dad were yelling and screaming, you know, well, we hope they called us by our name and not other names, right? But how many times have we heard our name? And has it been ringing in our minds, my name, my name? How many of us have been called other names? How many of us in our, in our 40 years of living can remember almost every single name that we were called in junior high or high school, or even as adults. We have been called a lot of names, haven't we? Now, isn't it funny, as parents, parents have the right to give a name to a child, which is a beautiful, it's one of the, one of the coolest things and blessings to be able to name this wonderful life, this little boy, this little girl that's been given to you to name that child. But why do we as people think that sometimes we have the right to call each other other names other than the name that was given to them? Notepad. And all these things we're going to come back to later. These are kind of old and outdated. There, there might be some of us who are still notepad kind of people. You know, a good pen or a good pencil and a piece of paper, <sighs> nothing better, right? And then you have people who, I mean, thanks to Apple and, and Samsung and, you know, Android, don't they have a note, note space on here that you can make notes? And so some people, it's like, I don't use that stuff anymore. That's old and outdated. That's old and outdated. Notepad. Why do we take notes? Why do we used to take notes in school? To remind us, and because one day there's going to be a test, right, and you better pass that test or mom and dad are going to kill you. With that this morning, I'm so excited to jump into our story. First Samuel 17, starting in verse 4. If you have your Bibles, read now the New Living Translation. And it says this, Then a Goliath, a Philistine champion from Goth, came out to the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet and his bronze coat of mail. It weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor. He carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and as thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him Carrying a shield. Verse 16. 40 days, the number of testing. 40 days, every morning, evening, the Philistine champion strutted. He strutted in front of the Israelite army. Verse 23. 
as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant? The men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife. And the man's entire family will be exempt from paying taxes. Hallelujah. Verse 26. David asked the soldiers standing nearby, what will a man get for killing the Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? Verse 28. When David's oldest brother Eliab heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here? Anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep that you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and your deceit. You just want to see the battle. What have I done now, David replied. I was only asking a question. Turn to your neighbor and say, I was only asking a question. That's it. Verse 32. Verse 32. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told the king. I'll go and fight him. And I'm kind of skipping around a little bit, so we're not going through the whole entire story. Verse 38. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and he took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream. He put them in his shepherd's bag, and then armed only with a shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear, javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people. That the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword, not with spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. And so this morning, it's a privilege and it's an honor. You know, we get to read God's word together. It's such a privilege and an honor to come together to read the Bible, to read. Now, this story has been read and gone over how many times? Thousands and millions. One of the most popular stories ever is David and Goliath, right? Victories and in, in fights and battles were done in, in different ways in different times. And so as we set the scene in this story, this was not grab your rifle, grab the gun, the tank. This was, we are going to determine victory by just two men fighting. And for the Philistines, they felt like they had good odds because they had a big guy. He was over nine feet tall, right? And so if the whole entire battle was going to be determined, whoever wins this fight one-on-one, -on -one, just like in junior high, how many of us remember fights when they said it's just going to be one-on-one, -on -one, right? And then all of a sudden, brother, cousin, sister, mother came out from nowhere and started beating up on everybody. But 
This was a one-on-one -on -one battle, and whoever won this battle, their army was declared the winner. So it's a pretty big deal. If you could just have one good guy, man, if I could just be the one good guy to take down that person, I can win it for the whole entire army. So for these guys, it felt like their chances were pretty good because they had this guy named Goliath. He was big, he was tall, he was strong. Over nine feet tall. And it says that for 40 days, he defied Israel. He called them names. He called them losers. He called them wimpy. He called them other things I'm not going to mention in church. For 40 days, he said all kinds of horrible things. And you know what he did for 40 days? He intimidated these men that every single one of these guys there was afraid. They felt intimidated, and their heart became frozen with fear. So they didn't let it go. They absorbed his words. They absorbed what he said. And because absorbing what was being spoken, their heart was instantly frozen with fear. And every single man there, everyone, no matter how big, strong, tough, no matter how, how many muscles, if there was six packs or 12 packs on the stomach, not in the fridge, no matter how much they had, no matter, they all were afraid. Until there was this young kid. His name was David. Always turn it over and say it's always the young kid, right? Now, this kid, his name was David. Nice name, right? David's not a bad name. David's a good name. David, he was a young, he was a young kid, one of the youngest in the family. He was such a good kid, he worked for dad, and he was the shepherd for the family. He took care of the few small sheep, like his older brother said, right? David took care of those few small sheep. But David also learned to become a warrior. David also was in a very accomplished musician. He played the harp like, whoo, bring tears to your eyes, right? Make the ground shake, all that kind of good stuff. So he was a shepherd. He was young. He was a warrior. And you know what? He was a man who loved God. And this is where the story gets set up this morning. David is about to fight somebody the tallest man that he's ever going to have to fight with. This nine-foot-tall giant, this time in this story, and young, he's getting ready for the, one of the biggest battles of his life. So dad comes to David and says, you know what? I want to see how your brothers are doing in the battle. Here's some cheese. Here's some goodies. Go give some of the best of the land to the captain of the guard, and then go give it to your brothers, and go check on and see how they're doing. And so David, let's say David was doing only what his dad had asked him to do. And so David, as he gets ready for this, there's a few things for David that I think can be related to us today. Because how many of us have seen in our 34 years of living, at times it feels like we're, we're fighting giants? How many have ever dealt with something that seems so big and so ginormous? It's way beyond my two hands. It's way beyond my feet. It's way beyond my height. It's way beyond my pay grade. How many of us have ever seen in life there are things that we face and they just seem giant? They seem big. 
as David was about to face a giant, there's a few things that I think that made David successful. And so the number one thing, first thing, David was willing. David was willing to go. When dad asked David to be a shepherd, he was willing. When dad asked David to watch over the sheep every day, every night, amongst the stars, maybe it was because he liked to be outside, maybe he liked to just play music outside. For whatever reason, David is a young man, he learned to obey his dad and he learned to have a willing heart. He learned to do what dad asked him to do. He was willing. And so when dad sent him here, he would go. When dad sent him there, David would go. And actually during this battle, it says that David went back and forth a couple times. He was willing to travel. He was willing to do what his dad asked him to do. And so as we face giants in our life, physically and spiritually, number one, we have to ask ourselves, am I willing to do what my heavenly father asked me to do? If there's tasks that my heavenly father puts in front of me, have I been willing or have I been clinging to my pillow and comfort instead? Because how many of us know for David, if he was a shepherd watching the sheep, that's still an important job. To stay home, to tend to the few small sheep that he had to watch, that's still an important job. That's something, how many of us know, the more we do something, the more comfortable we become in doing it. And so for David, he could at any point said, you know what, Dad, no, I just want to stay here. I just want to do this. I'm just going to stay Send someone else to go see what brothers are doing. We in life sometimes, we get so caught up in what we used to do or what we are doing, and we don't do anything else. And so our heart becomes unwilling before the Heavenly Father because it just is out of our comfort level. Second thing he did, which I love, as David goes and he travels and he sees the, the battle, what does he do? He first observes everything. He sees what's going on. He sees that this battle is a little bit different. It's not whole army against whole army. It's just about one man looking for another man to fight. And so David sees everything and he observes everything going on. And then David starts to listen to the words that are being spoken. He hears the enemy and he hears what the enemy is saying. And then he listens to his family, to his friends, and to his brothers. And for many, that's where we stop. I see, I hear, and then I do nothing. But David had a different kind of heart. If I see something that bothers me and somebody's messing with my God or my family, I'm pulling out the guns. David, when he heard something, he knew he did not like his God and his family being messed with. So when he saw something, when he heard something, when he saw the fear in the hearts of these men, what does his heart say? It's time to move. I need to do something. I'm going to do something that nobody else wants to do. I'm going to stand up and fight the biggest guy that no one else wants to fight. How many of us, if we're parents, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I've ever told our kids, little Johnny, little Sue, little boo-boo, you can do whatever you set your heart to. 
Have you ever said that to your kid? You are so amazing. You're so smart. You're so beautiful. You're so handsome, just like me, right? You are just so amazing, right? How many of us have ever said that to our kids and you're amazing and you're gonna, you can go out and you can accomplish anything? But as little Johnny, Sue, and Boo Boo grow up, you know what they notice sometimes? Mom and Dad told me I can do anything, but how come I don't ever see them do anything? Ah, how can we tell our kids to conquer the world when we can't get out of our house? How can we tell our kids to go and achieve the sky's the limit, but we can't do it even in ourselves? So you know what we do as adults sometimes? We send out mixed messages. Now, if you're in a relationship and you're married, sometimes that happens in relationships all the time, mixed messages, right? Guys and girls and all that kind of stuff. But sometimes we do this to our kids because what we're telling them, they see the opposite in us. And you know what happens to those kids? They lose all hope, all faith that it's possible because they don't see us reaching for the sky like we tell them to do. And so David, as he sees, what I love about this man, he sees something and it starts to bother him. David hears something, and now he's really frustrated. And now he's getting that mean David voice going on inside of him. He's getting so frustrated, and he's starting to be bothered. And he might even might be breaking a little sweat right now because he says, you know what? Why are we letting someone be mean to our God? Why are we letting amongst brothers, we letting one person put us down? We are the people of God. We're the army of the living God. If you don't want to, I will. So then David hears the reward. And I love this. Going to marry the king's daughter. Okay. Not bad, right? Hopefully she's cute, right? Hopefully she's my type, you know. I don't know what he's thinking at this point. He probably knows who she is. But then even more exciting for all of us, the whole entire family does not have to pay taxes. And I think right there for David, he said, you know what? Wow, for my dad who has to give money to the king. For my brothers, I know how much it costs. I know how much we have to give. Look what I could do for my family by stepping up to this. Listen to the reward Look what I can gain. Yes, I get a wife. That's awesome. But what can I do for my dad? Saving him thousands of dollars. If I just go take down some giant. David learned that he had a voice. David learned how to use his voice. David was a man who understood God's put me here for a reason. He's given me purpose. He's given me hope. He's given me faith. He's given me courage. When I see something that bothers me, I need to do something about it. How many of us, when we hear 
about abortion and babies being killed, whether they're two months, three months, you know, up to seven months, eight months. How many of us have ever heard testimonies of people who've worked in abortion clinics and they say everyone comes out and they're feeling better and it's all a bunch of baloney? That people regret it, that it's horrible, it's horrific. How many of us ever been bothered by that? How many of us have ever been bothered by the uh, teenagers that are being sold as sex slaves around the world? How many of us have ever been bothered by that? How many of us, we drive around Hemet, we see all the homelessness. We see people who have no life other than the life they live in the street and been bothered by that. Some of the things that God wants you to see and hear, it's because he's steering your voice. Some of the things that bother you that you see evil in the world, it's because God is stirring in you the voice, this voice, this big, ginormous voice inside of us, that when we see it, that when we hear it, he wants us to do something about it. You think about the elections, and every couple years we get a vote for somebody, right? Whether there's good, bad, evil, but that's one of the ways we use our voice in America. We vote, right? And sometimes we get somebody we don't like, and sometimes we do, which hardly ever happens, but it doesn't matter. Voting is still the right to use your voice in a candidate. Now, how many of us, we could, in an election, let's just take the election for a minute, and say, I don't like who we have, and I'm not saying that I don't like who we have as president, right? But how many could say, we don't like this guy? But did we vote? Did we get out and vote? We could complain all day about we don't like who's in office, but did we do something about it? Did we vote? Did we check the box? Did we talk to our friends? Did we encourage our friends to vote? God's put us here as people who are active, people who have a voice for a reason. It's not only just to sing sweet lullabies and love and this, that, and the other. It's here in a voice for a reason, to make a difference, to push evil and darkness away by the light that comes out of our mouth. And David was one of these men. He knew how to use, he knew how to use his voice. David had to fight through a few different things. And I love this next part of the story. Because we see that David, as he's about to go, he's already decided in his heart, I'm going to go face this guy. Who's the first person he comes into contact with? His older brother. And what does his older brother say? What in the heck are you doing here? You should be home watching those little sheepy. It's not a job I want to do, but it's a job you have to do. This is my job. I'm in the army. I'm fighting battles. I'm strong and brave, but you should be home, you should be home cleaning the toilets or something. As David is getting ready to face one of the toughest fights, for some would think, what's one of the things he has to learn how to deal with? My family insulting me. One of the things and greatest things we have to learn as believers and just good people, how do I deal with people who insult me? How do I deal with people who call me names other than the name that I was given? David, how many of us have ever, like, had to go take a test? How many of us have ever had to do something super important? And then all of a sudden you get a call and someone is lighting you up and someone's being so mean. You know, my work, most of you know I sell food for a company. And it's like every day when you wake up, 
sometimes you don't know what kind of phone call you're going to get from your customers. They could be happy and they're wonderful and everything's good, or they're yelling, screaming, cussing, and threatening because either the food truck's not there or something's wrong. And so in the morning sometimes it's like you dread that phone call. How many of us sometimes we dread talking to certain people because we know we're just going to be insulted? How many of us being insulted by someone, how many of us know that it can be draining to be insulted by someone can be draining. If you need to be the strongest person that you need to be, if you need to be tough and courageous every single day, if you need to get up in the morning and understand I'm fighting the biggest battles of my life right now, I need to be strong and courageous, I guarantee someone's going to be there throwing insults. Now we could say, hey, maybe that's just the devil trying to destroy your day. Or... Maybe it's God putting those people in your life because he's trying to make you stronger. For David, he's getting ready to face a giant. And victory and fighting a tough guy, it's going to require everything that he had. Are the people in your life, are the people in our life, are they draining us or are they help building us to be bigger, better people? God put us here. And I fail at this at times. There's times where I'm mean to my kids. I'm not nice to my wife at times. But God's put us here as people to build bigger, better people. But yet, how many times do we find ourselves sometimes, unfortunately, saying something that we shouldn't? If every day we go out and we need to win a battle, are we being insulted or are we being encouraged to go out and to kill it? There are people in our lives, like David, is to learn how to deal with people who insult us. For David, as he goes on and he sees the king, the king wants to give him his armor. And he tries on the king's armor. This is what you need, David. If you're going to fight a giant, this is what you need. These are the things you need. Kind of like our world today, for failing marriages, social media, the TV, so many people, they have so many ideas. This is what you need to fix this. For health, for feelings, for emotions, for thoughts, for psychiatry, for all kinds of things, right? Everyone has an opinion. Everyone has advice. As David's getting ready to take on a giant, the king says, this is what you need. David, being a nice guy, he tried on the clothes, the armor. He's like, ah, you know what? It just doesn't fit. King's like, okay, good luck. Go ahead. So there's two big things that David, right before he faces the giants, one, learning how to deal with the insults of people, but secondly, learning how to deal with the bad advice of people as well. And Google and the culture and Hollywood, and everyone else on this planet who has words for you because they need to tell you what you need to do every day, how you need to look, how you need to dress, how you need to talk, how you need to walk, how to be happy, how to feel good every single day, la, 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 la. How do you deal with bad advice? Because sometimes dealing with bad advice, words of wisdom, and sometimes even good advice isn't what you need to win the battle. 
Sometimes even having the right armor and sword is not what you need to win the battle, as we see for David. Because what did he grab? He grabbed his sling and, his, and stones, five small stones. He didn't grab a sword. He was going to fight someone who was taller, bigger, stronger, better than him. He didn't take a sword. He didn't take the armor. He took a sling and a stone, and that's all that he wanted. But for David... Is the sling and the stone what he needed? My name tag keeps falling off. Or was something deeper in David? We see that David, as he comes running out, you know, Goliath looks at him and he's like, oh, you little dog, this is going to be easy. I'm going to kick you around. I'm going to fling you up in the air. Here again, as he's getting ready to face this guy, what's he doing? He's dealing with insults. The small Ruddy, this little dog, is this who you sent out to fight me? Again, intimidation, insults. So David, hearing it from his older brother, because sometimes that's what older brothers like to do. But then he's hearing it from this giant, and he's having to work through all these thoughts in his head. But we see in David, as a young boy, he does not waver. You can insult me. You can threaten me. Doesn't really matter. He goes, you come to me with a sword, with a javelin, a spear. What's the biggest thing I'm coming at you with? The name of my God. That's all I got. That's all I got. How many of us have been facing large, giant things in the last five years? Is this is how we're fighting our battles? I'm not coming at you with money. I'm not coming at you with this. I'm not coming at you with my fist. I'm coming at this problem in the name of my God. And I'm going to keep saying it. And I'm going to keep praying it. And I'm going to keep believing it. And I'm going to keep declaring it until the giant goes down, until the problem goes away. David knew his victory was not in himself. David knew. He said, listen, after I take you down and cut off your head, everyone here will know. He didn't say that I'm a bad, tough dude. I'm young and I'm rough and tough. He said, when I take you down, everyone will know who he is. David's fights they knew, he knew it was a reflection of the God that was in his heart. Every tough situation, every hard thing that he was going to face, he knew that if he relied on the name of his God, he was going to win. And then when people looked around, he can say, it's not me. I'm a nice guy. Yeah, young, cute, wonderful, all those wonderful things. But my victories because of God who I believe in. Is that what we walk and stand on every single day? Is that what we walk and stand and believe? And all of us, myself included, when something big arises, it is so easy to freak out. I do this. And I'm sure maybe one of you do this as well. It's easy to get freaked out. Like, how am I going to deal with this? How am I going to handle this? How? Because sometimes we forget, like, Oh, yeah. God is on my side. And how many times do we forget that every single day? God is on my side. I need to start walking a little bit differently. And maybe I need to start walking and talking just a little bit different. 
And so one of the greatest battles I think we fight today, because, you know, if you think about February, we've been talking about love. So how am I, why am I ending it with David and Goliath? That's not really a love story, right? You don't look as David and Goliath as a love story. You know why I ended with this one today? There's a couple of verses I want to share real quick. Matthew 24, 12. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. 2 Timothy 3, 2. People will love only themselves and their money. Boastful, proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to the parents, ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. Last one, Romans 12, 9. Stop pretending to love others. Why did I use David and Goliath? Why did I use that image of this big battle? Because one of the greatest battles we are facing today is truly loving mankind, people, everyone. Our love, Jesus said the love, how you love determines who you belong to. And so if we are nice, kind, wonderful people to everyone, then we are making a difference and we are showing I belong to him. And so my love to you is a reflection of what he's given to me. Kind of like taking down Goliath. And we can think for a second, second that at the end of the world, the love of many are going to grow cold. So we could take a step back and say, okay, well, if we're living in the end, we're just going to accept how everyone's going to be. Let's all be cold-hearted, selfish people. Is that really what God wants us to do? Even though he knows how the end's going to go, even though he knows how the end plays out, do we just sit back and watch the story unfold? Or does he need us to step in and try and help as many heart, mind, and souls as possible by the love of the heavenly Father? The greatest battle, one of the greatest battles we face as Americans and as people today, loving people who are really unlovable. Loving people who are selfish, rude, stinky, disgusting, their B.O., their attitudes like bad B.O. And I don't know if you've ever been on a train or somebody that has bad B.O., you're like, get me out of here, please. Or in an elevator with someone who has bad B.O. And it's the worst thing in the whole wide world. The world is coming to an end because this person smells like they just got out of the trash can. How you love, how you treat people, how you treat every single person on this planet, it's important. And no matter who insults us, friends, family, no matter who comes after us, enemies with insults. No matter how many people tell us this is what you need to do. This is how you need to handle it. If it's not God, then it's not right. If it's not God, then it's not right. We could talk and I could give you lots of advice, but it may be the wrong advice. The Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, you know what? When you listen to that Holy Spirit, when you listen to His Spirit, it will give you victory 100% of the time. When you listen to God's Holy Spirit, he can heal you every single time. When you listen to God's Holy Spirit, he can deliver you every single time. When you listen to God's Holy Spirit, he can open up the door. He does every single time. But it's when we get stuck listening to the wrong advice that we miss our way. And so this morning, we pull out all of our several illustrations here. And this morning I asked you to pull out and write down, I don't know if you wrote down your name or if Becky did for you or Sherry, but you wrote down your name. This is the name that you have been labeled with. 
you know what this name means to you. And as you have been given a name to live by, we have it on our driver's license. Hopefully we have one of those. You have been, it's on your social security card, if we have one of those, right? Your name that's been given to you, it was given to you. It's your label. It's your name. This is the label who someone said, this is who you are. This is how you've been labeled. Life, one of the hardest things, one of the craziest things in life. It's not really fighting the name that we've been given. It's the other labels that we've been given. And everyone has a label for you. Everyone has a name for you. You notice that? Whether we know each other or not, everyone has a label. Everyone has a name. Your notepad. How many of us have ever thought, I'm going to write down my life story? I want you to take out your notepad. Make sure your name's on it because you're going to need to get it here in a little bit. But what you're going to do with this notepad, this nice little cute little notepad, what I want you to do is either pass it to somebody on the left, pass it to somebody on the right, but you're going to give it to somebody else. So take your notepad. Hopefully you didn't scribble anything in there that you don't want to pass away. But take your notepad now and hand it to somebody else. It can be whoever's next to you on the right. It can be somebody that's on the left. It can be somebody behind you. But you do not want to end up with the same notepad. You got to pass it around. Give it around to somebody. This is going to be fun. You didn't get one? Who didn't get one? You didn't? So here's the deal. As we try to concrete some of the things we're talking about this morning. You see, I still have my notepad. Because no matter no matter when I say and think about myself, because I'm only going to think good things. It's honestly what you say about me that rings more true. We are our greatest defenders and lawyers. So we could be kind, wonderful, sweet in our head, but treat everyone, ooh, not so good. We could go to church on Sunday, feel lovey-dovey, go out to eat, and then cuss out the server because she took too long, right? Most restaurant owners... Because I talk with a lot of them on Sunday. They don't like Christians. One, because they don't tip. Two, because their attitude. Most every restaurant owner. Now, if there was one restaurant owner, I would say maybe the problem is them. But if I have 60 customers and they tell me they do not like Christians on Sunday. One, they're not nice and they don't tip. You see, in our minds... In our minds, we think we're good. But wait till you give your book to somebody else and let's see what they say about you. Why don't you give your notepad to somebody else and let them write a chapter in your book and we'll see how sweet and kind they say you are. And I'm not talking best friends, no BFFs. 
I'm not talking to all the people who smile at you and clap for you. Every time you walk down the road, people are clapping and woo, cheering and they got the pom-poms. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about people, you know, those other people. Because how many of us in our 40 years of living, as we don't like to be offended and insulted, honestly, we don't see the offending and insulting we do first. So as we write our own story, man, it's like a fairy tale. It's all good and gorgeous and beautiful. But what if God says, no, 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 you're not writing your story anymore. I'm going to let somebody else write about you. What does every single person who's met you, what do they say about you? That's what's important. That's what's important. You know, sometimes we come to church, got all kinds of goodies this morning, and I apologize. I gave you a name tag, gave you a notepad, but I didn't give you headphones. These are my sons and who I'm going to give back. But sometimes when it comes to God, when it comes to church, when it comes to godly people even sometimes, it's kind of like when I was a kid. Now, headphones when I was a kid didn't look like this. When I was a kid, did I have headphones? Yeah. I had a little, um, I think they're called Walkmans, right? If I remember correctly, a little Walkman that you could put a cassette into. Thing was so cool, right? When I was a kid, I had the privilege to fly to Ohio to see my grandparents, and I remember there's nothing cooler than being on an airplane, got a Walkman, and I can listen to tunes. And you know what you do when you turn when you put on a Walkman and you put on the headphones? You tune everyone else out. You see, when the preacher, when the pastor is talking about things I like to hear, I'm listening. Oh, but wait, when the pastor says something I don't like, let's put on the headphones, right? I don't want to hear that. Wait a second. Didn't it say in the Bible that the word of God is also to correct, rebuke, discipline? We don't want to hear that. We want to hear love. We want to hear goodness. And so this morning, we've been labeled by ourselves, by our parents, by so many people in the world, and we're learning to deal with that. We're given a notepad, this paper that says our life, and it's not so important what we say about ourselves, but it's what every other person on this planet says about us. We don't grow as humans, as people, as believers, when we put these things on because we're shutting out someone who has something good or right to say. And how many Sunday mornings do we come to church and in minutes we listen, but then we put on the headphones? How many times when we're talking with a friend and in, instead of the friend encouraging us, they're a little bit kind of being rude. They're being a little rebukey right now, right? And then we turn to our friends and say, you know what? I don't want to talk to you anymore. I'm going to ignore you for two weeks. I'm not going to read any of your text messages or I'm not going to answer any of your calls because you didn't say something I liked. Headphones are on. And then lastly, one of my favorites here. Now, how many of us have ever heard the saying, dress for success? Huh? You guys ever hear that before, dress for success? Now, if I was a doctor and you came into the office 
Now, this isn't a, doc a doctor's coat, right? But we can imagine, right? Can we can go along with imagination for a second? If you came into the office and the doctor was wearing a bathing suit, flip-flops, he had a snorkel in his mouth, would you take him seriously? Probably not. Maybe some of us would be like, that looks like fun. Let's go. Let's go to the beach. I don't need the checkup. We've been told for a long time, dress for success. And sometimes as people, do you ever notice we listen to people maybe who are dressed just a little bit nicer sometimes? Now, funny enough, this cracks me up about us. Turn your neighbor and say, this is really good. Human nature is so good. See, on the outside, we're really concerned how we look. We should dress for success. But on the inside, are we truly, honestly clothing ourselves? Colossians 3.12 says this. Since God chose you to be holy people that he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Oh, if I look good and sound good, that's all that matters. If my boss likes what I wear, if family likes what I wear, that's all good. But what, it, but what about what God says I need to wear? If I'm dressed for success, but I'm not tender, merciful, kind, humble, gentle, and patience, then you know what? It doesn't matter how nice I look. It doesn't. If we're not tender, merciful, kind, humble, gentle, patient, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. God chose you to be holy people he loves. Clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. And then I love this. This is most important. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. You must forgive others. And you know what's so important? We get so stuck on everyone else, just like on getting stuck on how I look and how I dress. You should be more tender. You should be more kind. You need to be more humble. How many of us were so quick to speak what other people need? When God's saying, that's not the clothing I told you to put on today. That's the wrong coat. I, I didn't say pick out the black suit coat today. I said the red one, the, the one that makes you look lovey-dovey, kind and sweetie. We are so consumed with how other people listen to the Bible. We're so consumed. Other people's mistakes. Did God put us here to point out anyone else's mistakes? Nope. But why do we do it every day? Why do we point out the things that bother us every single day? Why? If he didn't put us here to do it, then why are we doing it? If we're so consumed with how we look and less concerned with how we love, 
Is your love a reflection? God says, I love you. I sent my son to die for you. I forgive all your sins. Are you loving every single person in your life? No matter what they say and do to you. You're not going to answer to God, well, I decided to say and do this because of what he and she and, and it did over there. You're going to answer to God alone for your actions. Did you clothe yourself for how you look or did you clothe yourself with how you should love? Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you. You must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us. This is what love does. It binds us together in perfect harmony. Love binds us together. Let the peace that comes from Christ's rule in your heart as members of one body you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. And so this morning as we wrap up, <clears throat> I think David in this story, yes, he took down a giant. And how many of us have faced different giants along in our lifetime? How many of us have faced family matters? They're tough and they're hard and they're horrific. How many of us have ever faced financial crisis and it's hard and it's horrific. And how many of us have faced health issues that are hard and horrific? And we don't want to put anything hard down or what other people are going through in any way. Because if it's your giant, then it's your giant you're facing right now. Whatever giant this morning you might be facing or someone in your life might be facing, it's important then if David knew how to take down a giant, then so do I need to learn how to take down a giant. And if David can do it in this Bible, that's a reflection for me to learn how to be the man and woman that God wants me to be. If God wants me to learn how to fight battles, then we read it, then we talk about it. Why? So that he gives me the example to follow. David, he was willing to go. David, he was willing to see and listen and then do something about it. David, who took on insults from family, David, who took on insults from his enemy, the giant, David, who didn't take the advice from the king, I don't need your armor, there's only one thing I need. It's my God. God can get you through anything. God can, right? So this morning as we pray, I'm going to close with these verses because I think one of the greatest fights, all of us, and we all deal with our own stuff. We all have stuff in the closet we don't want to talk about. We all can have giants that we're facing this morning. And it's important because you're, whatever you're facing this morning, it is absolutely important. We're here to love and support one another, to be here for one another, to help deal with each other's giants and however we can help each other. But one giant that we're all facing together Romans 12, 9, stop pretending to love others, really love them. Hate what's wrong, hold tightly to what's good, love each other with genuine affection, and take delight in honoring each other. God, this morning, 
one of the greatest giants that we fight together, us brothers and sisters, together. We're like an army together this morning. What did they say in Colossians? Love will unite us. And what is it uniting us to do? To really love the world, no matter what they say to do to us. We're given a name, but you know what's the most important? It's the name that your heavenly Father says about you. That, what God says about you, that's numero uno. What God says. God is amazing. And so are all of you. Let's pray.